What kind of hero do you like? I mean, do you like the epic hero or the adventuresome hero or the tragic hero, the willing hero or the unwilling hero? What kind of hero do you like? We are in a series called More Than Surviving, and we may feel like all we can do is tread water, all we can do is survive, and maybe you're like the man who swam up on the beach and you're totally exhausted. And I hope that this series helps you. It is helpful and it is hopeful that that God has something in store for you and and. The best is yet to come in your life and in your circumstances because he's not done yet. And so this more than surviving is just for you. And if you're joining us online today, and if you're present in person with us this morning, I'm excited that you're here and I have a ministry opportunity for you. How many of you know how to use your cell phone? Fairly well. How many of you can press a button? Fairly well. Even my year and a half old grandson can press a button. We need some help with our 8.30 a.m. online service. And if you have that ability and would be willing to serve our folks that would prefer a traditional service at our 8.30 service, we need some people to press some buttons. And that could be a ministry that you could make a difference for those folks that were in a surge again and, and can't join us in person for a short period of time. Hopefully we'll get out of this eventually. Amen? But as we do, we still want to reach... Others, and if you're joining us online today, I'm glad you're with us, but I wish you were here with us because there's a point of connection and gathering that you can't receive any other way. The Spirit of God is present with us this morning, and I know if you're gathering in two or three, wherever you are, on your couch or in your bed or your breakfast table, I know the Spirit is there. But you just can't connect in the same way because we need each other. That's next week's sermon. This week, I want to talk about this tragic, unwilling hero that I think you need to know about. And I think it's super important in our very spiritual lives and souls are in danger today. Future generations depend on us and what we do with the content of this message. So if you have your Bibles, your tablets, your phones today, turn to Genesis chapter 39. We're going to start in the first verse of that chapter. And our tragic hero is Joseph. And what the scripture says in Genesis 39, Joseph had been brought down to Egypt. Remember, he was sold out by his siblings. They didn't like him because he was the favored or favorite son, and, and, and Potiphar, 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 an officer of Pharaoh, the captain of the guard, an Egyptian had 
bought him from the Ishmaelites who had brought him down there. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he became, became a successful man, and he was in the house of his Egyptian master. His master saw that the Lord was with him and that the Lord caused all that he did to succeed in his hands. And so Joseph found favor in his sight and attended him, and he made him overseer of his house and put him in charge of all that he had. And from the time that he had made him an overseer in his house and over all that he had, the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. And the blessing of the Lord was on all that he had in house and field. Joseph was in a survival type of circumstance. He could have just been barely making it, but in his conditions, he thrived. I don't know if you're thriving or not, but that's what God wants for you. If you're standing in right relationship with God, he wants to help you be successful. Now, I'm not preaching a prosperity gospel here, but you've got to realize that God is for you, just like he was for Joseph, you are called according to his purpose. And as you serve him, whether it's financial blessing or other types of blessings of health and wellness or of, of friends and relationships, he wants to bless you. And Joseph was in right relationship with God, and God was using him. Now, I want you to know a little bit more about Joseph. Joseph was the McDreamy of the Bible. He wasn't McSteamy, you'll see that in a little bit, but he was McDreamy. Look at verse 6 of this passage. It says, so he left all that he had in Joseph's charge, and because of him he had no concern about anything but the food he ate. Now Joseph was handsome in form and appearance. He was a hunk. He was built pretty well. You might have lusted if Joseph came into the room, you would have noticed him. And you might say, wow, he was a good-looking man. Or maybe he would say he was hot. He was McDreamy. Now, you know people like that, of each gender. You know that. And, and... You might ask, well, how was that a problem? How does this become a problem? Well, let me tell you how. If you're familiar with this story, look at verses 7 and 8. And after a time, his master's wife cast her eyes on Joseph and said, Lie with me. There's no subtlety here. There was no flirting. It was just boom. But he refused to say to his master's wife. Notice what he does. Behold, because... Of me, my master has no concern about anything in the house, and he has put everything that he has in my charge. Now, this is unbelievable, because Joseph was loyal. He was loyal to his master. He was loyal to his boss. He understood that there were boundaries or guardrails in his life. And then he goes on to say in verse 9, he says, He is not greater in this house than I am, nor has he kept back anything from me except you. Because you are his wife. I mean, Joseph just spells it out. Here's the boundary, lady or man. 
How then can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? Folks, Joseph knew that this was sin. And it was a great sin. And that not only would he sin against his master, but he would sin against God. And that was a boundary that Joseph wasn't going to go beyond. Why? Because Joseph was faithful to God. And that is what we are called to do. If we are blessed and we are favored, then there are boundaries that God gives us for our own good. To show what is most important, what our priorities ought to be, should be, must be. And then look at verse 10. And as she spoke to Joseph day after day, he would not listen to her to lie beside her or to be with her. He, he stayed away. But Potiphar's wife was persistent and consistent. And I just want you to realize temptation is like that. It's persistent and consistent. It is in my life and it will be in your life. And it's our choice to do something about it. Let's go on to verses 11 to 12 of this passage. It says, but one day when he went into the house to do his work and none of the men of the house was there in, in the house, she caught him by his garment saying, lie with me. But he left his garment in her hand and fled and got out of the house. Joseph made a mistake. Billy Graham was one of my heroes. Read his unauthorized version of his biography fascinating years ago, and I still remember this. There, there were some problems with traveling evangelists and crusaders. You may not be familiar with that, but a crusade is a huge gathering in a city. There'd be tens of thousands of people that would come. People would invite other people to the gathering to hear the gospel preached so that they would come forward and accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their lives. Billy Graham was the best at it. He was incredible but he had three things that he wanted to guard against. And the first one was this, that he wanted to be financially, what do I want to say, open and, and, and to handle the money and the finances of the Crusades that they handled tens of thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars that all the money would be carefully managed and taken care of. And, and there were checks and balances. He never handled that. Other people with accountability handle that, much like our church does. In fact, he, he set up an organization that, that created financial accountability for churches and ministries and non-for-profits that's still in existence today. The other thing, he wanted to have a good relationship with the local pastors. So wherever he went, whenever he preached, he never put down the local body of Christ, or any ministers, because he, he respected the position of ministry and the calling of ministry locally. And the third thing he did was he always traveled with an entourage of men that, were, that went into an elevator before him, who went into his hotel room before him, that prayed with him, that, that were in his room at night, and, and there was sexual accountability, that there was no misconduct so that the ministry wouldn't be weakened and his moral authority would not be challenged. 
He did that all his life. You see, that's where Joseph failed. He needed one of his servants, one of his helpers, one of his fellow servants to be with him. And he went into the house alone, and he was alone with this Potiphar's wife. And that subjected him to easy accusation. Let's look at verses 13 through 19. It says, and as soon as she saw that he had left his garment in her hand and had fled out of the house, she called to the men of her household and said to them, see, he has brought among us a Hebrew to laugh at us. She's blaming Potiphar for what was going on. He came to me, came into me to lie with me and cried out with a loud voice. And as soon as he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried out, He left his garment beside me and fled and got out of the house. Then she laid up his garment by her until his master came home. And she told him the same story, saying, The Hebrew servant whom you have brought among us came into me to laugh at me. But as soon as I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment beside me and fled out of the house. And as soon as his master heard the words that his wife spoke to him, this is the way your servant treated me, his anger was kindled. See, Joseph gave that opportunity of accusation to Potiphar's wife, and Potiphar was mad. And Joseph was trapped in that moment. Folks, we've got to watch out for the traps that are around us that are so easily set. Let's look at verses 20 through 23. And Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, the place where the king's prisoners were confined, and he was there in prison. But the Lord, that's a big but, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison put Joseph in charge of all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever was done there, he was the one who did it. God's favor was still on Joseph. God's purpose and plan was still going forth through Joseph's life, as it is ours right now. Isn't that amazing that the keeper of the prison paid no attention to anything that was in Joseph's charge because the Lord was with him and whatever he did, the Lord made it succeed. When we're in right relationship, when we are with favor with God, God is going to prosper us spiritually. He's going to prosper us emotionally. He's going to prosper us through his family. And he may prosper us financially. But God is doing a work in you. And he's not finished. He wants to bless you. Now, I got some bad news and I've got some good news for you this morning. The bad news is this. Temptations are everywhere. They're just not, they are limitless in our culture today as they've always been. To be tempted is not to sin, but to give in to the temptation is sin. But Notice what Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. He says this, Therefore let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. Jesus said, In this life we would have trouble, but don't fear. God is with you. He has overcome the world. And the good news is this, is that we can escape temptation. 
It persists. It's consistent. But look at verse 13 of 1 Corinthians 10. It says, no temptation, and this is a good verse to memorize, no temptation is overtaking you, but such is common to man, and God is faithful, and he will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but with the temptation, he will provide a way of escape that you may be able to endure it. When you're tempted, rely on God. Look for the escape hatch. I want you to, I I want to take a brief moment. We talked about soul conscious choices last week that Moses made. And I just want to reiterate that, that, that whole idea of being soul conscious. Three things that, that Joseph did. Soul conscious choices. First one's this. Joseph chose to keep himself pure. Back in the day in youth ministry, I forget what year it was. It was probably 15, 20 years ago. There was this true love weight movement. We took these cards. We planted them on the mall lawn in Washington, D.C. And our goal was a million. I don't know if we reached that. I don't know what it was. But we planted those. And we asked kids to pledge purity, that they would wait until marriage. And, you know, statistically, they followed uh, a sample of that group and found that 90% of them, because they made that pledge and they took it seriously, it made a difference. They were pure until in their 20s, until they were married, approximately, is what they discovered, because they made that kind of pledge. Folks, when we're single, we need to pledge purity. Folks, when we're married... We need to commit to one another in marriage to protect each other and to be accountable. Notice the second so conscious choice that uh, Joseph made was this. He chose to recognize the hand of God in his life. Do you realize the hand of God in your life? You're calling his purpose in your life. He is working there. If you're called of God, if you're saved by grace, He is there. He is present. He is working. He's convicting. He is guiding. You have purpose. He has the plan. And the third thing Joseph did, his so conscious choice was that he ran for his life when he was tempted. He didn't stop. He didn't, he said, well, let me think about this. He ran. It was automatic. There was no question. He had predetermined what his choice was going to be, and that's what we have to do. Paul says, 1 Corinthians six eighteen. he says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. We sin against ourselves. 2 Timothy 2.22, Paul writes again to Timothy, his younger partner. He says, flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, peace, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. He says flee, but he says also do something else to pursue. That there's so much good flowing into your life that you don't have time for temptation. It's easier to say no when you're flooding your life with good stuff. That's my goal in my life, is to flood my life with good stuff. What I listen to, what I see, what I read, what I hear, and, and, and stay on that path. So the question is, 
How do we flee temptation? How do we do that? I got four steps for you this morning. F-L-E-E. And the first step is this. Feel the danger. I, I brought my cell phone up with me. I have Facebook on it. I somehow, some way, I got a game button on my Facebook page a few weeks ago. I, I looked at John, our children's pastor, and said, how did I get this on here? And, and when I pressed it and I scrolled through it, you know what? It was pornographic. There was scantily, barely clad and, and pornography on this game, game deal. I didn't even know it existed. I was scrolling through it. I said, John, help me out. And so I had to Google myself because he couldn't figure it out. He didn't have it on his. I don't know how I got it on mine. And you know what I found? If you got a game button like that, you just put your finger on it, you rest it there, and guess what? It pops up and says, you want to keep this or delete this? It was that hard. On my cell phone, I get sexted about once a week. You're saying, Chris, you're, you're not that good looking. It's random. It's auto. It's whatever it is. And they text me a link. And I've had like 22 of them on my cell phone. I can show you. All you do is you block it. You block that number. Guess what? Next week I know they'll have a different number and it will come and it'll have a link. And I'll, you can delete it, you can block it, and they'll get another number. Folks, it's persistent and consistent. We wonder about our teenagers and what we watch on TV, and, and they're bombarded by, by all these relationships and all these hookups and sexual relationships before marriage, or we see people that cheat and the devastation of that cheating and, the, and breaking down of the boundaries of marriage. It's no wonder our kids don't get married. Nor, nor stay sexually impure. Martin Lloyd-Jones says this. He says, Don't, not to realize that you are in conflict means that you are completely defeated by the devil. Anyone who is not aware of the fight and the conflict in spiritual sins is in a drugged and hazardous condition. Feel the danger. Second step is to leave the area. Whatever it takes, get off of social media, change the channel, delete the streaming package, whatever it takes, avert your eyes. Because we're dealing with our souls and, and future generations are going to be impacted by this. How we handle those temptations. First Peter 2.11 says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles. See, he's appealing to our eternal nature that there's something beyond. There's heaven beyond all this. To abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your soul. It is damaging us from the inside out. Steve Farrar, he, he wrote Point Man. He wrote, he wrote this, Some things are more important than life itself like removing myself from situations where I could possibly be tempted. So we leave the area. We feel the danger. We leave the area. And then we experience God's pleasure. Genesis 39, 21. 
says, but the Lord was with Joseph and showed him steadfast love and gave him favor in the sight of the keeper of the prison. Now, if I were Joseph, I wouldn't be too excited about being in prison. I, I might have questioned God's pleasure with me. If you ever hear that I'm in jail, probably send me a note of encouragement or, or call me or visit me because I might be a little discouraged. But Joseph didn't seem to mind. He just accepted and adapted and he moved on to the point that he was the keeper of the jail. Who does that? Because he experienced God's pleasure. When we do the right thing, we need to celebrate it. When we see others do the right thing, we need to celebrate it. When I hear about a minister that, that, that fails morally, I'm disappointed. I'm discouraged. Especially when my heroes in the faith fail. And, and they lose their moral authority. And I don't understand, folks. I believe in forgiveness. I believe in God's grace. I do. But when you're in a position of moral authority and souls are depending on you, the stakes are a lot higher. And, and the ramifications and the consequences are a lot larger. And it impacts and it discourages people from following Christ. It damages the church of God, the family of God. And so we want to experience God's pleasure. And then we've got to establish protections. So we feel the danger, we leave the area, we experience God's pleasure, and we establish protections. We've got to have a plan. This is what I'm always going to do by the grace of God. And I'm not preaching to you proud. I hope you don't hear that. I, I, I am a flawed human being, just like you. Very, very human. But at the same time, there is a God. And, and He empowers us to do the right thing through His Holy Spirit. We can't rely on ourselves. But we rely on Him. And we can rely on others around us if we stay accountable in those situations. The challenge this morning is just to agree to flee, to run the other way. We like to flirt with the danger, and this is no time to flirt or think. It is to run away. I would challenge you to do that in whatever area of temptation in your life. I open this sermon by, by asking the question, what kind of hero do you like? I like kind of the tragic, unwilling hero. Most of all, because that's what our Lord and Savior was, I believe. He willingly went to the cross, but he said to his father in that last evening before he was crucified, Father, this cup can pass from me. Let it be so. But not my will, but thy will be done. He was a tragic hero that gave his life for us. He was tempted like us in every aspect and area of our lives. Yet he was sinless. We will never be that. I will never be that. But we can avoid, we can run from temptation. We can have power over that by the grace of God when we rely on the Spirit of God. When we have mutual accountability, we can flee. Would you agree to flee today? If you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, 
of your life, we invite you to know Him. He will make the difference. He will give you purpose. He has a plan for you. Will you please stand as I pray? Eternal God and Father, we are grateful for this day and for this time. We're thankful for the work you do, Lord, in our lives. That you empower us to flee temptation. That, that you guide us through your spirit. That you make all the difference in our lives. And Father, as we struggle, and maybe we're just barely surviving, that you call us the thrive. That you give us the body of Christ to encourage and support and hold us accountable. That you give us your spirit to guide our consciences, to protect us, to give us the early alerts of what might hinder us or what might tempt us. Father, we're thankful for guilt when we feel that kind of guilt when we make the wrong choice. That you're calling us to forgiveness, to wash us clean, to let your your son's blood cover our sin that we might be right with you. Father, we're thankful for your grace and your compassion and that it's always there and always ready for us to come home to you. And Father, we just ask that hearts and minds would be moved and changed, that, that lives and future generations will be impacted and would know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior of their lives. We pray this, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.